This is episode 170 with two-time Olympic trials qualifier, runner-up at the 2016 U.S. 10-mile championships, and one of the few pro runners to come out of a Division III college, Mr. Noah Drotty. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to features the work ethic, mindset, and training ideas of one of the few runners in the country to ever run professionally after being a Division Three athlete. There are more lessons for improvement in this episode than most, so grab your pen and get ready to take notes because Noah Drotti is an incredible guest. I would like to first start by thanking you for making the Strength Running Podcast consistently the number one or number two most popular running podcast in the country. My job here is to bring you the thought leaders in the running industry, the coaches, the sports psychologists, elite athletes, dietitians, and physical therapists who can help you elevate your performances. While you have to do the work, my goal is to show you the most strategic ways to work smarter, and more productively so you can take your running to the next level. Because if you better understand running, if you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll make better decisions about your training, leading to more effective running, fewer injuries, and faster races. Don't miss all of our other resources that can help you bring your running to the next level. We have a video channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning, where I answer your running questions, show you effective strength and core routines, and talk through your most pressing training issues. And of course, our home base is strengthrunning.com. For more than 10 years, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Inside Tracker, a company that helps endurance athletes optimize their training after taking a simple blood test. I'm a customer myself, and I love their science-based approach. I think this is one of those investments that actually make you into a better runner, not like a pair of shoes or a shirt. Figure out if you're over or under training so you can train more effectively. Use code STRENGTHRUNNING with no space to save 10% on any of their blood testing kits at InsideTracker.com. Our guest today is Mr. Noah Drotty. Noah first caught my attention at the 2016 Olympic trials where he finished dead last in the 10K. <laughs> he was wearing a backwards hat. He had long hair and a mustache that to this day, I'm still a bit envious of. But that DFL certainly wasn't an indication of his talent because Noah is a two-time Olympic trials qualifier, two-time collegiate All-American, a sponsored runner for Saucony, and a 211 marathoner who's hoping to break the 210 barrier in just a few weeks. He's also one of the very few runners to turn pro after a Division III college career, making his trajectory even more impressive. Noah is now training under Richard Hansen in Boulder, Colorado for the Roots Running Project. We caught up recently and talked about his training, his mindset, the reasons for his numerous career breakthroughs, and his goals moving forward. I truly loved this conversation, Noah's energy and thoughtfulness, and I hope you do too. 
If so, a review on Apple Music is always appreciated. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Mr. Noah Drotti. Hey, Noah. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's cool to be here. Well, it's cool to have you here. I have to say I've been a big fan ever since back in 2016. I, I think I was watching TV and I said, who the hell is that guy with the hair? And yeah. <laughs> you were really thrust onto the, the national stage at the Olympic trials four years ago. Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit more like that because, you know, I, I selfishly think your story is so incredible because, you know, I'm a former D3 cross country and track guy like you. Uh, I always wanted to to run at the elite level. That was not ever possible for me, though. So partly, I feel like I'm living vicariously through you, living, reading your story and, and hearing what you've done. It's just so, so awesome. You just must be kind of, you know, living on cloud nine right now. Yeah, thanks, man. Sometimes I feel like I'm living vicariously through myself, to be honest, at all. <laughs> it <laughs> all uh, best, right? <laughs> yeah, I never really, you know, expected this, but it's been uh, it's been really cool. Now, it does seem like twice in your career, you were able to take huge strides forward with your performance as a runner. And I think the first is likely from, you know, a pretty decent high school runner. But of course, you you weren't really a standout. Um, And, you know, then you went to college and you were a a two-time All-American. And, you know, that's a pretty big jump from kind of a decent runner to one of the best Division III runners. What do you credit for that rapid improvement in in your ability as a runner? Did you go from running like 15 miles a week to 100? How did this happen? Yeah, so, you know, I totally agree that on paper, some of the jumps I've had in my career kind of are eye-popping and you're like, wow, that what, did the, what was that guy doing? Um, but, you know, in, in high school, I, I wasn't running seriously until my senior year. Um, that was the first year I had a, a coach who really knew what he was doing. He'd been a runner himself at the division three level. Um, so that's the first time I would say I started following any kind of, you know, real training plan. Um, you know, early in my high school career, it was, you know, it was a good practice if we got in race distance, right? So if we ran three miles that day, um, we'd be pretty stoked. But to be honest with you, more often than not, in my first couple of years, you know, I would jog off campus, hop in the car with the seniors, and we would go to a hookah bar and smoke hookah for three hours and then go back to school. And so, like, I really was not training. <laughs> um, I, I don't think your coach would have approved. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And so, uh, yeah. And so it was my senior year where I first started, like, feeling like I was kind of, you know, putting in decent training, started developing as a runner. I was running, you know, 30, 40 miles a week. Um, but by the end of that year, I ran 1630 for the 5k, I broke, uh, 10 barely for the two mile and ran 430 for the mile, which were all, you know, big, uh, big deals for me, but you know, I never ran at state. And so that was the first year I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I can kind of do this. And then, but I thought it was over at that point. I didn't anticipate going on to run in college. Wow. Look at that. You, you started putting in some training and, and you just got amazing results. Uh, so before, you know, you actually started training a little bit more consistently, you know, maybe during the, uh, the hookah bar days, <laughs> what, uh, what kind of training were you doing then besides, you know, running over to the, the hookah bar and were you substantially slower than, you know, some of the times that you had just mentioned? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, training is all, 
I hesitate to even use the word training. You know, I was going to practice five days a week. And like I said, if we ran three miles, that was good. I wasn't running on the weekends, wasn't running in the off seasons. Um, I don't remember doing any challenging, um, what we would call workouts. Um, but we did race, you know, three times a week in high school. Um, and so, you know, I can't even remember the times I was running, but I, I would say by the end of my freshman year, I was probably in the 18 or 19 minute range. Um, and sophomore and junior year, I was in that like 17 to 18 minute 5k range. Uh, so, you know, just very middling high school times, um, which I was, but I was happy with that. I didn't care to be totally honest. I wasn't, you know, in a high performance mindset. I just enjoyed being on the team and running and my high school was so small, we raced other small schools that I could run an 1835k and and maybe win. And so I didn't really understand that there were a lot of guys out there running a lot faster, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like you're sort of describing my high school experience too, where, you know, it it almost gives you this false sense of confidence that you're a, a medium fish in a really small pond. But you know, maybe that is a source of confidence for you. And, and it, during those beginning years of your running career, you were focusing on maybe the most important things. It was just having fun with your friends in a running environment. And that just led you to, to fall in love with the sport maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was not the most important thing in my life at that time. I, I was playing in a band um, that we took very seriously. You know, we were playing a couple of shows a week. Um, that was very much my priority. And running was just kind of a thing I did, you know, in that in that hour after school, I took it seriously. But outside of that, it was not a priority for me. Um, and like, yeah, could I have been a much better high school runner if I had really been taking it seriously from day one freshman year and had been in a structured environment like absolutely but I feel very grateful that you know by the end of my high school career I was on that path um, and it's kind of set me up for the trajectory of my career so far for sure yeah it's almost one of those issues where you know maybe if you had started be, being super serious about the sport earlier than, you know, you might have veered off the path for one reason or another. So, you know, it, it's hard to look back and say, I wish I d- I've done things differently because you're in such a great spot right now. Yeah. And, you know, over the years, I've had so many opportunities to quit running, <laughs> you know, uh, and at various points I have quit running, but I've always come back to it because it is something that I love. And, uh, you know, it's never been ruined for me. Um, the way it has, I think for some younger kids who, you know, were running 80 miles a week in high school and just burned out, you know, I never, I never had that experience. And so there have been times where I've fallen out of run love, out of love with running, but it's always come back. And I think that's a credit to not having been pushed too hard too early. Yeah. Yeah. I I know just, you know, from my, my perspective, I think that's one of the most valuable things for, for younger runners is just make them fall in love with the sport. Don't make them work too hard. And when they want to work really hard, then they'll be able to, um, it it seems like the second big jump, at least on paper, like you had mentioned was, it was after college when you made the move to Boulder, you started running for the roots running project and you took minutes off of most of your PRs. I think even in the 5k, I read, 
while I was doing my homework for this, that uh, you took like a minute off your 5K time, a minute and a half off your 10K, at least two minutes off your half marathon. You know, these are pretty big jumps in, in performance. W- what do you think made that this second big leveling up of your performance is possible? Oh, that, I mean, that's a big question because everything changed, right? Um, you know, I, I had a similar experience in college that I did the high school where I came in and was was fine and I got gradually better every year, gradually took it more seriously um, to the point where I was competing, um, you know, amongst the best in, guys in Division Three. Um, so I was definitely, you know, feeling pretty good about myself. But, you know, after college, my PRs were not in any way indicative of somebody who would go on to have a pro career. And um, I knew that, you know, I wasn't delusional. And so after I graduated again, this was like the second time in my career where I was like, okay, I think running is over for me. And so, you know, I got jobs, um, I did other stuff, I moved home to Indianapolis. Um, And so I, I kind of did that for a few years before I kind of felt like I was stagnating in my life and not really pursuing anything that I was super passionate about. And then I had another one of those moments where I came back and I said, okay, what's kind of a unique talent that I have? Like, what am I passionate about pursuing? Um, and that thing to me has always been running. It's the one thing that I'm willing to work extremely hard at, give everything to, um, and that I'm very fulfilled by. And so, you know, once I kind of went through that process, it was more about, okay, that's the decision, the decision's made. So like, how, where do I go to now maximize, you know, that potential, that ability and kind of go all in on what I want to do. And so, you know, I didn't know anybody really in pro groups. I started sending emails out everywhere and, um, only one person ever got back to me. And that was, uh, Richard Hansen, um, of the, newly formed at that time Roots Running Project, um, which is based here in Boulder, Colorado. And so, I mean, we, we exchanged a couple of emails. We had a couple of phone calls and um, I was like, cool, I'm done. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> and so I, I packed yeah, my car right. and uh, a couple, maybe six weeks after we first talked, I, I was driving out um, to Colorado from Indiana. Wow. That's, that's just a, a big decision you made. Was, was it almost like a gamble? You're like, I'm just going to try to make this happen, try to follow the dream and see what happens? I wouldn't use the word gamble. I mean, gamble for me was kind of what I was already doing at home. Like, you know, I wasn't, well, I don't know. I I didn't feel like I was taking any chances. And I felt like it wasn't really gambling because there was no downside to it, you know, going out to Colorado. I was like, you know, I'll go and I'll see how good I can get it running. And if I improved at all, like that was cool. My big goal was to uh, qualify for the 2016 Olympic marathon trials, which the standard in the half marathon at the time was 65 minutes. And I, and I did that just barely on the last day the qualifying window was open. I ran 63, um, 30 something. Um, and that made it all worth it right there, you know? And so it paid off so quickly. Um, but it was just something I had to do. Um, and I didn't really think twice about it. It just felt it just felt right. Yeah, I'm glad you trusted your gut there. Now, what was some of the bigger changes in your lifestyle, your routine, the way that you were training? You know, all the things that could potentially contribute to to you getting so much better. Yeah, I mean, everything changed. Um, I mean, first of all, altitude. We're sitting around 5,500 feet here in Boulder, coming from Indiana. That's a new stimulus. Um, 
two. I mean, I was 25 years old at this time. I hadn't run seriously really since college. I mean, I was I was running, but I wasn't training hard. Um, and then I got out to Boulder, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm in this structured training program. We were working out, you know, three to five days a week, um, following the V Hill system. Um, I was running more mileage. I had saved up enough money that I only had to work part time for the first few months out here. And so I was really prioritizing recovery. And I just like, you know, I wasn't most of my friends in Indiana, um, whom I love very much are non running friends. And so I kind of lived a non running lifestyle with them, you know, we'd go out late. Um, You know, I was working landscaping in Indiana for a while, like stuff that is just not conducive to running. And so I moved out here, got a job at a running store, was eating right, sleeping a lot training really hard at altitude. Um, and then I was really lucky that the potential that I believed I had was given a chance to kind of rise to the surface in a way that it never had before. It, it sounds like your time when you first came to Boulder was was almost a quiet time. You didn't have to work too much. You were just engrossed in uh, a running community. You didn't have to worry about much else outside of that. Do you think just the quieter kind of lower stress lifestyle of, you know, being part of a, a running group and not having to work as much, did that help contribute to things? It just seems like it opened up more space for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was living very simply. I was, you know, I had a narrow focus. My, really, my the entire, you know, the meat of my day was that morning practice. And after that, it was just you know, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I was just kind of, uh, everything was structured around running in a way that I had never done before. Like definitely not in college, definitely not after college. And so I felt like I was, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I was scraping by, but I, I felt like I was kind of living a professional lifestyle. Um, and the time just started falling off. I mean, I just started running workouts that, amazed me you know like i was running times and tempos that would have been great race efforts for me a few years ago and you know i don't have a great answer to why that happened other than all these other factors that were piling up at the same time um and i just got more and more confident and i went into races with nothing to lose nobody knew who i was um nobody knew me from college like nobody knew me from anything and so i felt like i was really running and competing free and doing it for myself in a way that I had never done before. And you started having good workouts at altitude, not having trained at altitude before. Is that was that surprising to you? Because I know when I first moved here to Denver, uh, my workouts were were <laughs> very, very much slower. Yeah, it it was surprising to me. I'd never really been to altitude um, well, I'd been I'd been to altitude before, but never tried training at altitude or really running at altitude at all. But I kind of made this decision when I came out here that I was just going to uh, ignore that altitude exists, if that makes sense. And I wasn't going to let it be an excuse. <laughs> um, I was just going to go after the times that Richie was writing on paper for the workouts, which I think we would both admit were pretty aggressive um, coming from the background that I had. But also I wanted to be able to run under 65 minutes and I had to do it soon. And so there were external factors, but yeah, it, it was super surprising. But, you know, once you hit a couple of those workouts, your confidence grows and 
and the next one seems easier and you're more excited about it. And so it was really just this kind of, you know, this, I just got a ball rolling of positivity. And so every workout was like a new opportunity. I was approaching training like more voraciously, I would say than I, than I ever had before. Yeah. And, um, it it just sounds like, you know, you, you were just in a great environment that was so conducive to improvement and man, if we could bottle that up and, and package it and be able to give that to other runners, that would just be amazing. Now, are you, are you playing the third, the third leveling up the third transformation? Am I planning it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, as runners, we're always hoping for the next, uh, leveling up. And, you know, to some extent, I think that my, the Chicago marathon last year, I ran two eleven was, was hopefully the beginning of that next phase of my career as a marathoner, which is what I really hope to be. Um, and an event where, you know, I look at it much like I looked at the half marathon when I first came out here, like, okay, there's a lot of room for me to improve here. Um, and so that feels like the third phase of my career is, is the marathon, um, which is, yeah, what I've been excited about for the last couple of years. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a kind of a natural progression for a lot of runners is to go from the track to the marathon. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about how things will go. Your two eleven last fall. And I think it was October of 2019 was, if I'm not mistaken, an improvement of a little more than five minutes, which, which is a big jump at that level in a marathon. Yeah. Um, and again, it's one of those jumps that on paper looks kind of crazy, but you know, my previous PR was two sixteen from Chicago two years prior to that. And I ran, I ran that, you know, off 10 week buildup, um, never ran over 90 miles a week. Uh, and I was wearing, you know, old school racing flats. And so with a couple other marathon buildups in my legs, being a couple years older, you know, having had a great training cycle that I was actually trying to run faster. Um, but you know, that was still a big jump and one that I'm grateful for. It's funny sometimes how you things are either surprising or they're impossible and then you just do it and then it's no longer surprising and it's clearly not impossible anymore. And, And that just completely changes your perspective, whether it's running workouts at altitude or it's a big marathon breakthrough, all of a sudden you're a whole new runner and you can do new things, different things, better things, faster things. I just think that's so exciting. And it's one of those things that, that is, I think, unique to the sport of running that, you know, it's hard to have a, a, a tangible concrete breakthrough like that in a more subjective sport, but in a sport like running, that's so objective, you know, you are just racing the person next to you. Someone's going to win. There's a, a clear number attached to your performance. And when you have those breakthroughs and you surprise yourself, it's just, I I don't know, I think that's one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I always tell people like, I love running and competing because it's really the only thing in my life that's so precisely measured, you know, the good day and bad day is on paper, you know, Um, and when you run the best you ever have, that's objectively the best you ever have and, um, the best you've ever been. And so I do love that about the sport. Um, I think there are pitfalls to that as well, but the feeling that you get when you do exceed anything you've ever done before, I mean, I haven't found anything else in my life where I get that same feeling. What are some of those pitfalls? Um, you know, if you become overly, (laughs) 
overly involved in your results and you put too much on each one, I mean, the reality of, of distance racing is that you're going to have more disappointments than successes. And that's certainly been true in my career, especially my career as a professional over the last few years. I've had some big injuries. I've missed some big races. I put a lot of pressure on myself because it is my job now. And, you know, just as it's exciting to be the best you've ever been, it's also not very exciting to go out and um, be objectively told that you're nowhere near as good as you were before, (laughs) you know, if you're coming back from an injury. And so you have to learn to be process oriented and process driven and be able to block that noise out um, for long enough to be able to get into good shape and to get to a race in good headspace. But it is, it is easy to listen to those voices and let demons in and, um, and measure yourself against who you were before. And I, I don't think that's a, a productive thing to do. No. And that's the ultimate balance, right? Is, is having this long-term focus, this process-oriented drive, but then also taking the time to appreciate your results and taking the time to acknowledge your progress. Uh, I, think, I think both can be uh, valuable parts of you know, staying motivated and, and staying focused on you know, the right things in your running. Yeah. And um and I think that's kind of a place I've arrived at over the last year is I use a I use the phrase house money a lot because, you know, I've already run faster than I had ever dreamed that I would in every event. You know, I and I'm I'm running professionally, which is something I never thought would have been possible to me. And so, you know, I've already achieved what I've set out to do. I'm doing this because I want to now, not because I have to. Um and so anything else is just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm training as hard as ever and I want it as badly as ever. But anything I do from this point on is just kind of extra um, in my eyes. Yeah, and that, that seems like a good place to be, right? You're, you're not putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Maybe you're having a little bit more fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, I put pressure on myself, and but it's kind of in a different way now, right? Because now it's, again, this is my job. And so it's money, it's providing, it's whatever. Um, but you know, I still get excited about just being like, oh man, can I run a 209 marathon? Like that would be awesome. But you know, if that doesn't happen someday, I'll look back and be like, man, running 211, that was pretty damn good, you know, for a guy who ran 1630 in high school. And so like, I, I keep a certain amount of pressure on myself because I, I thrive in that environment. But also I think it's important to be level headed and recognize, and give yourself credit for the shit you've already done. Um, because I have a lot to be proud of, I think. Yeah. And, you know, Noah, you said something on Twitter recently that, uh, you said, I'm getting the feeling that U S distance running talent is collectively fitter than it's ever been under the radar with no racing opportunities. And, you know, just talking to you about progress and, and moving forward and getting to new levels. You know, I, I wanted to talk about this tweet that you sent out because I've talked to a whole bunch of pro runners during you know the COVID era. Uh, I just talked to Molly Huddle, but also Emma Coburn, Amelia Boone, Madeline Strandamo. And it seems to me that, that every pro runner that I'm talking about, they're all really taking advantage of this time to focus on something new or address some kind of weakness. Uh, how have you been working through your training during quarantine? Have you been thinking about it a little bit differently now that you know, there are not a lot of races on the schedule. Um, 
No, no, I haven't. I, I I'd say my training has been pretty much as normal. I I mean, I did have the benefit of having a really long runway, you know, like my, my last race was canceled in March. And so I, I didn't have to rush back for anything for the first time in a long time. I could really build up logically and run consistently in a way that sometimes in the pro schedule, you don't get a chance to because the, there isn't, there are no seasons in road running. Like there is always a race coming up. And so you can always rush back for something and so this was the first time where, you know, hey, the the runway is clear. There might not be anything for six months. And so, you know, I, I shut everything down. And then after I took a little break, I went out and I ran one mile. And the next day I ran a mile and a half. And the next day I ran two miles. And then I just like built up from like basically nothing. And now here we are in um, early December. And I've been running healthy and running quality workouts in a way over the last six, six months that I hadn't maybe for a year and a year and a half before that I've been healthy, I've been consistent, I've been strong. And so I'm not doing anything differently. I was just able to, uh, to stretch the program out, um, over much more time, which, uh, for me has always worked so much better than, you know, than trying to rush back for any certain event, you know? Patience, I think, is one of the hardest skills. And I do think it's a skill for endurance runners to learn, right? We're always kind of trying to rush our fitness, rush our mileage progressions, our workouts. And so it sounds like this has been really good for you. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it was also nice just to like, take a break from racing and, uh, and not have to, to worry about it. Um, I go back and forth between being a good in a good headspace with racing and then also feeling kind of daunted by it. And so, but now I'm feeling that excitement coming back in a way that I haven't felt in a long time. And obviously when there are so few opportunities, you become so grateful for the ones that you have. And so, um, yeah, this, this time is, I feel like it's kind of worked to my advantage. I would, I would say I'm in the best shape I've ever been right now. Um, and I've been able to do it in a healthy way. That's awesome. And it almost sounds too like, you know, you've only almost been given this opportunity that seems very similar to when you first moved out to Boulder, just in that you have a little bit more space. You're not rushing to to get ready for a certain race. You had this much longer runway than usual. And in, in that similar way, you just were given more opportunities to take things a little bit slower, to focus on the process, you know, to you know, not rush yourself and, and hopefully it'll produce similar jumps in performance for you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I actually hadn't really equated the two things. Um, but I, I think that's valid. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, <laughs> that consistency and kind of a narrow focus as we get close to, uh, what will be my only race of the year, really outside of a track mile I did here in Boulder, um, the marathon project coming up in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, let's talk about that. So you've got uh, a marathon. Now, this is a different kind of a marathon than most normal marathons, right? Yeah, so this is a kind of a DIY organized race um, that will be taking place um, in Phoenix. And so the field is uh, 50 some men, 50 some women, it'll be paced on this flat course. And uh, we're all just kind of going for it. It's, you know, we're seeing races, pop up and kind of a DIY atmosphere independent from a mass participation model, which has been the case for races forever. And so, um, yeah, this is kind of a more controlled environment, I guess. 
Yeah. So um, you've mentioned that your training is going really well. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the the big workouts that are giving you confidence, maybe what your mileage has been like? I know you mentioned, you know, you said, uh, I didn't even run more than 90 miles a week for, uh, you know, your prior marathon. Are, Are you doing more than that now? Yeah. Um, so I've, you know, I'm 30 years old now. Um, you're an old man. You're ready to retire. Yeah. Ready to retire. Um, you know, I didn't go over a hundred miles in a week until last year. So I was, I was 29 years old when I ran my first hundred mile week. Right. And I think that's abnormal, um, for a professional distance runner, even for some collegiate distance runners. So I, I still feel like I have a lot of room to increase marathon specific training. And so this, this cycle, um, I think I had maybe eight weeks, a hundred or over, um, maxing out around 110. And so, but that, which, you know, for some professional marathoners, that actually would not be very much, but for me, it's the most I've ever done and it's the most I've ever done consistently. So that in and of itself, um, gives me a lot of confidence, um, right there. It's more mileage than I did leading up to Chicago last year. Um, the workouts I'm doing have been, uh, good but nothing nothing that would blow anyone's mind i don't think if anything they've been less impressive than what i've done in the past i've slowed my tempo pace down a little bit um i'm doing fewer really hard intervals but what i've found is that i'm running very solid consistently like i'm not really having bad workouts and i'm feeling strong a lot of the time and i have had a few workouts that i've really blasted but for the most part it's just been like you know, consistent stuff. And, uh, you know, that's partially because I'm not racing. Um, Leading up to Chicago last year, I raced three times at shorter distances. I raced Falmouth, Beach to Beacon, and uh, Philly Half Marathon. And so I was doing specific harder sessions for those things. But now unencumbered by those other races, I'm doing just more like steady marathon effort-based stuff, which, you know, session to session is not that difficult but it you know builds you into a really strong aerobic machine i think and i'm reminded by the quote that the best workout for you is really a string of consistent workouts and that you should never focus on on really one big workout it's really the total body of work that uh is so much more important and i you know i know i'm I'm always telling runners uh, i've probably said it a hundred times here on the podcast but you know, training PRs usually lead to racing PRs. You know, if you're training better than you ever have been, I'm a firm believer that racing is just a logical extension of training. And if you put in the work, then you're going to be able to perform on race day. And it sounds like you're just crushing it right now. I mean, you're doing a lot more volume than you ever have. And, you know, particularly for the marathon, that's, I think, one of the, the more beneficial things to do, especially as consistently as you've been able to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think the approach that I've taken over the last three or four months has been really healthy. And, you know, I haven't done a lot of like super sexy workouts that maybe I would have in the past, but my workouts on the whole have been better and longer. You know, I'm running, I may run a 445 mile at mile 15 of a workout, and I've never run that fast that late into a workout before. And so it's stuff like that. You know, I've been I've been doing this for four years as a professional now. And I think it's kind of rare that you can still break new ground in training at a certain point, but I've really felt like I've been able to break new ground on this buildup. And 
it's, it's just been a lot of fun to be, it's been, it's, it's been cool. And a couple of my teammates are racing the marathon project too. And so we've had a good, a good unit kind of building to, uh, you know, the same goal. Do you think that's one of the more important things in training is, is to kind of step back from time to time. And if you recognize that you're actually having a lot of fun, then you're probably in a great position, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's kind of a lesson. I think I, learned the hard way. Um, you know, after I signed my, my professional contract, I put a lot more pressure on myself and it kind of went from being fun and self-validating to being, you know, I have to hit this for the sponsor. I have to hit this bonus or I have to prove that I deserve this at all. And, uh, and that took a while for me to work out of. And now, you know, I'm really just enjoying it day by day and being very grateful for this opportunity that I have. I know that not many people have this opportunity to train um, and focus only on training at this level. And so um, I'm just focusing on being very grateful for that and trying to just enjoy the process of being out with my teammates. Because while I do think I have good years left in my career, I am getting to the point where like you, you're understanding that it's not going to go on forever and I'm recognizing how much that someday I'll miss these days. And so I'm trying to focus more on enjoying them and really taking it in while I can. That's awesome. And I, and I know when I look back on my running career, I, I know that the times when I was running my best and just, you know, just feeling the best, feeling powerful and fast were the times when I was having the most fun. You know, I was just hanging out with my running friends. We were going on good runs, doing good workouts. And I think that is such a big part of having a performance breakthrough of being successful is really enjoying the process and enjoying all of the hard work that goes into being a fast runner, because it is a lot of hard work. But if you are process oriented, then I I think a lot of joy comes from that. Yeah. And I think it's also huge to be around like-minded people who are also pursuing those goals. I mean, there's guys in my group who are in a very similar situation to when I I first moved out here, you know, they're working jobs, they're, they're D3 guys, you know, who are just kind of betting on themselves and to some, and that's really, you know, been reinvigorating for me too. And so, you know, just being around all these guys who have big goals, who are chasing dreams there, you know, it's rare that you're around that kind of passion in daily life. And so uh, I'm, I'm really soaking that up. Yeah, I I remember just back in college, just being in that environment where you're just surrounded by other people who, you know, in my case, half of them were a lot better than me. And so it was very motivating. It was inspiring. And I think they bring you along for the ride, right? You know, they help you along and they make the hard work much more manageable. Yeah, absolutely. I've never really thrived as a lone wolf kind of guy. It, uh, the accountability of the group has, uh, has been huge for me. And, yeah, like I just keep saying fun, but it's fun. Yeah. Now, what do you have a goal for this marathon that's coming up in a couple of weeks? Are you looking to run a, a certain personal best? Well, the goal is always to be better than you have before, right? Um, so that's, you know, any improvement is goal number one. Um, in Chicago, I felt like that was the first time I ran a full marathon to the point where I was still racing at the end. Um, so a big goal for me is to have another complete race. What I think I missed out on in Chicago was in that last 10 K, I was so afraid of blowing it that instead of really racing it out with those guys who ended up running 210, I kind of 
was more conservative and decided that, hey, I'm just going to try to to maintain this pace, not blow up, and I'll come away with a huge personal best, which was the right move for me that day. But now I feel a little more unencumbered because I've had a success in the rear view mirror. Like I'm not trying to prove that I'm a marathoner anymore. And so I feel like here, you know, controlled environment, if we get good weather, there's no reason I I can't go out there and take a, a big swing. You know, I have nothing to lose. Um, house money, you know, like I'm just, I'm just trying to make it again. And so I, I, it's sounding like we're going to go out in 6430, um, which um, is obviously people can extrapolate 209 pace. Um, breaking 210 would be big for me for sure. Yeah. Does, does a 6430 opening half, how do you feel about that? Because I, I know <laughs> at the elite level, you guys go through the half marathon, just not very much slower than you know, uh, 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 your PR for the distance, you know, it's maybe a minute, minute and a half off. And, and I know that for lesser runners that would just absolutely destroy you in the final 10 miles or so of the race. What goes through your head when, you know, that's kind of the number that's being floated out as the opening half marathon. Um, you know, it's a little scary because that, you know, running 64 30 is never going to be easy, right? Even if, you know, even if you're in great shape, 6430 is going to feel difficult. Um, in terms of like the psychological battle, I guess it doesn't freak me out that much because I've had the experience so many times of PRing and distances like on route to finishing. Like when I ran my 61 minute half, I, I remember coming through 10K faster than my college PR and being like, wow, that was crazy. And when I ran 2807 in the 10K, I came through 5K in 1355 which is only a few seconds off my best. Um, and so I've had that experience now many times. And so while 6430 obviously is good running and it's going to be hard running and, you know, but it's, it doesn't freak me out too much because I believe that's in the realm of my capability. And, you know, on a, on a smaller scale, a, a couple of weeks ago, I did, I did 10 miles at that pace at altitude and then ran a few hard miles after. And so I think physically I've proven to myself that that's in the wheelhouse and uh, psychologically I've had that experience before. So, uh, you know, it's going to be hard and, and holding on to that pace is obviously a best case scenario on the day. But, uh, you know, it's like, why not? <laughs> I love it. Why not? And it's it's one of those things where it's it's impossible until it's not. You've kind of proven to yourself that you've you've been capable of PRing en route. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're creating this perfect storm of amazing conditions for you to have uh, a breakthrough this December. So best of luck, Noah. I can't wait to see how it goes for you. And uh, I just have one more selfish question before we wrap up today. I know you're up in Boulder. I'm here in Denver. And even though you're a road and track guy, I'm sure you're getting on some off-road trail services up there in Boulder. Do you have any favorites that you would recommend? Um... I, I really have been enjoying running from Dowdy Draw Trailhead, which goes through Eldo. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's a pretty beautiful, like eight mile route. Um, that's about as trail as traily as I get. To be honest, I have fragile ankles, and so I, I try to avoid that stuff. Um, but honestly, after you know, professional running is over for me, I'm kind of looking forward to getting involved in like the trail scene. Yeah, the trail scene is is kind of wild. Uh, and if you have weak ankles, 
you know, summoning Green Mountain may not be the best uh, route for you. It's, it gets pretty gnarly with all the rocks and, you know, the crazy switchbacks up there, but it's a blast. And, uh, you know, maybe post COVID, we can share a couple miles if I, if I make it up to Boulder. Yeah, I would love that for sure. You'll have, it'll be a recovery run for you and uh, a tempo <laughs> run. <laughs> I, I will say that I did one adventure run up to uh, Long's Peak with some trail friends a few years ago. I had just run 2820 on the track. So I was in like great shape. And these guys were just, they weren't like professional runners or anything. They were just kind of average, average trail guys. And they destroyed me. Like it was not a question of fitness. They were just like, I just got, I bonked so hard and was just left in the dust. There, there is some amazing skill with navigating that technical terrain at, at even moderate speeds. Uh, you know, there's this great 12 mile trail race that I've done a couple times in Golden Gate Canyon State Park. And the last time I ran it, I was, I was flying down this uh, downhill. I was probably going, you know, I say flying, but it was probably about six minute pace. And, uh, you know, this is older guy in his fifties blew past me. Like I was not even moving and probably put a quarter mile on me in the next half mile. It was, it was just an incredible demonstration of, of gracefulness over those trails. And, uh, it was, it was good. It put me in my place. <laughs> yeah. It's for sure a technical skill that I do not have at this point in my life. Well, maybe it's something you can work on after, you know, you've run your 209 this <laughs> December. So I can't wait for it. I uh, know if folks want to follow along with your training, if they want to see how you do in this upcoming marathon, uh, are you online somewhere? Where can we connect? Yeah, I guess I'm online everywhere. Uh, I have, I have Twitter. You can find me at I built the arc. Um, I'm on Instagram under my full name. I upload most of the stuff I do, uh, to Strava. Um, but if there are any like real, training nerds out there. I've used a website called loggerrun.com and every run I've done since uh, 2008 is, is archived there. Um, so yeah, you can find me on all, all those things, I guess. Awesome. Well, I will include links to all of that in the show notes on the strength running site, but Noah, thanks so much for being here and making the time. Best of luck with that marathon coming up. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's our show for today. I hope this conversation inspired you to train hard and you came away from it with a few golden nuggets of wisdom. Be sure to find Noah on Twitter at IBuiltTheArc or on Instagram at Noah underscore Drotti. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Inside Tracker. You can see what they're all about at InsideTracker.com. And if you do want to take the leap, use code STRENGTHRUNNING to save 10% on any test. Inside Tracker tests over 40 different biomarkers, like various stress hormones, for example, to determine if you're training too hard, too little, or if you have any physiological weaknesses that could potentially be remedied by either diet, exercise, or lifestyle changes. In other words, you learn about problems that then have actionable solutions. Inside Tracker uses blood testing to get all of this information. And then what I love is that they communicate what you can do to actually lift or lower your results into the optimal range. And I think for any runner who wants every advantage in their training, for hard charging athletes who are chasing after personal bests and they want to see what they're truly capable of achieving, I highly recommend Inside Tracker. And I'm not just a spokesman, I'm also a customer. Sorry, I've always wanted to say something like that. <laughs> let's let's just finish up and say that 
I think they do amazing work. And I've had two great experiences with them a couple years ago, getting my own ultimate test, and then just a few weeks ago myself with another ultimate test. You can head on over to insidetracker.com to check out all of the different testing kits that they have available. And don't forget that code STRENGTHRUNNING will save you 10% on any of their tests that they have available. That's all for me today. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast and being part of this special community. We'll be in touch soon.